what's up everybody? Um, just wanted to take a couple minutes to just record some thoughts um, that I've had over the past few days. I really liked what uh, Mike had to say in the last episode. Um, it's pretty cool when you have a partner in crime where you start thinking the same things and um, you know as you hear him talk it's kind of like hearing an echo in your own head so yeah, go back and listen to that last episode, and then maybe if you listen to this and you kind of put the thoughts together, it'll almost be like a full episode of us chatting. Um, so the first thing I wanted to kick off with is this idea. I can't remember who said it, but uh, it basically was this thought of your biggest problem is that you think you shouldn't have them, right? And by that, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to myself as well. Like my biggest problem is that I think I shouldn't have them. And, you know, that's pretty powerful when you think about it because their problems are just something that happens every single day. Like you can wake up and know that there's going to be two or three problems or difficulties that are going to arrive every day. And so, you know, going into each day with that mindset of like, what, who am I going to be? What am I going to do when those problems come? And that's a choice I think you have to make in the morning because you have to expect as you go through your day that, you know, you're going to have to to deal with those things. And so when you think about the craziness going on, watching the news and all the stuff on the coronavirus, uh, it's kind of made me think in terms of mindset of just the society in general. Like, who are we? You know, like, are we Americans or are we Europe? Are we Asia? Are we the Middle East? No, we are Americans. And this is the kind of stuff that we live for. We're the... People that when difficulties arrive, you know, we're smiling and we're ready to fight the enemies wherever they are. And, um, you know, we're going to battle this virus and we're going to survive. And the thing we need to think about is the fact that the world is actually looking to us for the solutions. So when everyone else in the world is looking at the problem in the same way everybody saw Hitler as such a big problem and so much fear and so much anxiety, what's Hitler going to do? It was the U.S., that had to, you know, be the solution for that. Had to step in and take him out. So I don't want to downplay the coronavirus in any way. Like it's a horrible, it's a horrible virus. That sounds like the symptoms are horrible and, you know, some people are dying. And every life obviously is precious. And you know, there are going to be more people that are going to die and it's just, it's not good. I mean, but we have to also step back and think about like death is part of the human experience and sickness is part of the human experience. And, um, you know, probably everyone listening to this has been really sick at some point in their life. And, you know, that sickness could have killed people. Like in every year we have cold season, flu season, we have viruses and people die. And so it's just kind of a way of saying like, if, if this isn't the thing that gets you, like something else is going to get you. And while it sounds really scary, like a global pandemic and all the hysteria around that sounds horrible. You have to kind of think about the percentages of death and how it's still pretty low. And, uh, I was reading a book on snakes to my six-year-old the other day and made me start thinking about snake bites. So I did a little research and I found out that there are 5.4 million snake bites every year and around 100,000 deaths 
by snakebite. And then you have like 300,000 either amputations or permanent disabilities caused by snakes. So now, like going back to the corona, I think there's been around 340,000 cases of this virus so far and about 15,000 dead, maybe a few more at this point. But so for me, like snakes are something that I kind of have a fear of, a phobia of. So in my mind, I can think, well, I might as well still, I'm going to fear something. I might as well fear snakes because probably a better chance of that. Um, but the bigger question in all this, I think, is what people struggle with is this, you know, this thought of is death something to fear? And that's sort of what it all boils down to. And it's the fear that's actually creating the problems in society for the most part. You know, like FDR once said, like, the only thing to fear is fear itself. And I think panic and anxiety are the real enemy in all of this. Um, so it's really important to keep your emotions in check because I believe your body follows your mind. And I think there are, you know, maybe situations where you can actually with an unhealthy mindset create a situation where your health is actually worse than or maybe about the same as a healthy mindset of someone who has the coronavirus like really think about that i think a lot of medical and health issues these days are caused by stress and anxiety and just the pace of life that we live at so keeping the mind set right I think is one of the, the things that's the most important in all this. Um, and one of the things I've been thinking about is like, where does all this fear and panic like really come from at the end of the day, deep down? And my challenge would be to think about like, what do you believe about the universe? And that might sound a little bit deep, but when you really think about it, like, do you believe that everything that you see, there was a big bang a long time ago and you know no scientist has really ever been able to have a theory on what was the stuff that exploded like where was the stuff that exploded where did that come from and then you know a single cell came about and randomly and then by random mutation um, you know we have all the life that we see on earth or on the other hand are we special were we designed and created and do our lives have a purpose so you may be like, hey, you know, why are you getting so spiritual and so deep on all this stuff? And I would just say that's because that's really the key in my mind, it's sort of the cure for worry. And you see that, you know, after 9-11, um, people turning to faith, you see military chaplains on the battlefield that are needed during those moments because um, it's really important. And I think the worry, like if you're worried about climate change you know, you got to think about, do you believe there's a God up there that created the sun, the moon, the ice caps, and the tides? Um, or is it all just sort of random chance that this place we call Earth just came about and sustains life randomly and is really just like hurling through space and any sort of pandemic or climate change or meteor or whatever else could disrupt it? Or is our planet special in the universe? Like, is the pandemic really out of control, like the media is saying? And I think a lot of people believe it's just out of control. Like, really think about that concept of out of control. Like, 
is there a God that knows every single bird that falls out of the sky? Um, I believe that, you know, one night his son was asleep in a boat and he wakes up and speaks to the storm and it listened. So, like, is that just a nice fairy tale? Is that, you know, like Cinderella or Beauty and the Beast? Or did it actually happen? So you kind of got to think about where are you on that continuum of belief? <laughs> so, um, you know, my personal opinion is he knows exactly what all this virus is about and what the outcomes will be. And he's in control of it. So if you believe the man upstairs is in complete control, it really relieves a lot of the anxiety and the fear. And if you believe, you know, there's no one in control or maybe partial control, then yeah, there's probably a reason to um, freak out a little bit. Uh, one of the things I think is that if you want to increase your joy in life, just in general, work on increasing your faith because there's a direct correlation between faith and joy. And I think a lot of the things that um, people say will bring you happiness, the relationship, the car, the property, the fame, the idea that you know maybe money can buy happiness, that's actually true in my mind that money can buy you happiness, but those things don't actually increase your joy. And what I'm talking about with joy is that deep down contentment and peace. So just to kind of finish up on this, the challenge for you might be to spend the next few weeks to work out your faith. It, it's sort of one of those things that's hard to do and life is crazy. Um, but, you know, now might be a good time to go outside at night, look up at the stars and really think about the magnitude of the universe and what life is really all about. Um, kind of stepping away from the big picture stuff, uh, I had a few thoughts on just the things we're seeing in the community and society and I feel like Americans are winners, but, you know, some of the stuff you're seeing is like, come on, we got to get back to winning. I mean, you got a house full of toilet paper that's come up, you've got it because somebody, you know, we don't have a toilet paper problem. We have a fear and selfishness problem, you know, because a few people go out there and just get insane amounts of toilet paper. That's what causes everybody else to, you know, buy up all the toilet paper. So... Think about like the golden rule, you know, and what comes around goes around. And if you've got a house full of toilet paper and a, and a fridge full of eggs that you're never going to use and you're never going to eat, really think about if you have neighbors that don't have toilet paper or don't have eggs, you know, share what we have. Um, and at the end of the day, if you run out <laughs> of most things that us Americans think are needs, it's not that big a deal. Like if you run out of toilet paper, so what at the end of the day? It's thinking about how are you going to adapt and overcome. Um, when you think about, like, what if toilet paper didn't exist in our country and we lived like most of the world lives? We still have toilets. We still have running water. We still have it better than basically the rest of the world. So it's just a, kind of a wild mindset that it seems like everybody in our country thinks our sensitive little butts need to be wiped with perfectly soft tissue every time and... Like, what happens if it weren't there? Well, you have to deal with it. <laughs> you know, do you think our grandfathers, when they're storming the beaches of Normandy, are thinking, oh, man, I sure hope there's, you know, France is stacked full of toilet paper. What if we get there and there's no toilet paper? No, it's ridiculous. Like, that's not, <laughs> that's not something that would have crossed anybody's mind. So 
just feels like some of the stuff I'm hearing is like, how soft have we gotten? The other thing I think about is like this idea of bailouts. And I'm not against bailouts. Obviously, they're probably needed in certain situations, but I, I think it's the mindset toward bailouts. Like, who are we? Are we getting excited about this idea of government bailing us out? Or does the idea sort of piss us off at the end of the day? You know, they they probably are needed to some degree, but it's just kind of crazy. I, I saw something on the news the other day about how, I think it's in South Carolina, there might be situations where you're going to get paid more money for being unemployed with the new bill than if you were working. Like, that's pretty messed up. That's pretty backwards. So, like, what is our mindset about the government and them being there for you and versus maybe spending the next few weeks to start another stream of income? You know, the average millionaire has around seven streams of income. So if you got two or three, maybe try to bump that up a couple because you got the time and you're going to be better off in the long run creating a new revenue stream than you are from some government bailout. Um, one thing... I think Mike touched on as well is just this concept of um, happiness during these times and focusing on the things we can control versus the things we can't control. So obviously we can't control what Trump is going to do and we can't control how the Democrats are going to respond to all of this and we can't control the stock market. So why is everybody so focused on this stuff? I think, while I'm on the topics of politics and the economy, I think there is also a segment of our society that's actually almost a little bit excited that this virus could lead to an economic collapse. It's going to hurt Trump and hurt the Republicans. And what does that do for our chances in November? You know, shame on people like that. And if Republicans, when Obama was president were uh, excited about maybe the idea of the, the things he was trying to do, not being not working out and things to stay stagnant. Like, shame on you. And if you were one of those people that was excited about, you know, 2008, the housing bubble that burst and people losing retirements and people losing homes and people losing jobs because of what that meant politically for Bush and how maybe that might be better for the Democrats... Like, you really need to think about your ego and the fact that, uh, you know, is being right politically more important than society suffering? It's kind of crazy. I think there's a lot of, a lot of that going on, and it's, it's pretty sad, to be honest. Um, and I would honestly say that if, if that's you, that there's any sort of excitement when, when society's struggling or when the stock market or the economy's struggling, that you know, you're thinking about politics, I would say maybe politics are a little bit too important in your life. And they're probably, probably keeping you from being present in your home. Because I think when you tend to focus on what's happening in Washington, D.C. and the politics, or even like what's happening now with coronavirus in New York City, well, it's kind of interesting, but it's not reality for you. Like focus what's happening in your home. What's happening in your neighborhood? I'm speaking to myself as well. What's happening to my neighborhood? You know, that's my reality and that's your reality. It's not what's happening in Washington or New York or, you know, San Francisco. Um, and I would say that whatever, whatever you see and whatever's going on and however painful it is, there's always going to be opportunity in 
these difficulties, there's always a blessing in everything. And um, I just think sometimes you need to work a little bit harder at finding it. But if you if you decide that you will always try to find something to be grateful for in every circumstance, I think you can find it. Um, and I think one of the things that's important to do is find gratitude in things that are directly related versus trying to find gratitude in something that's not related. So an example I use is like if it's 3 a.m. and I'm deep asleep and my smoke alarm goes off in my bedroom, not because there's an actual fire, but just because it's glitchy. So it's just loud and you got to like get up and turn it off and you can't find the battery, you can't yank it out, you can't pull it out of the, you know, out of where it sits on the ceiling and it's just like in your ear, just loud. Like in that situation, you got to think about, okay, what can I be grateful for? Well, I can be grateful that I can hear, right? A lot of people don't have the ability to hear. So the fact that I'm hearing this horrible noise is something to be grateful for. Well, I was able to go get the ladder and climb the ladder to try to detach this thing. And a lot of people, you know, if you're in a wheelchair, you can't get up there and um, climb the ladder and turn it off. You can also be grateful for just the fact you have electricity and batteries. Like a lot of the world doesn't have those things. So you could, you could get ticked off and then say, well, I'm grateful for my kids or I'm grateful for running water or, you know, something that's not related, but I think it's important to try to focus on what's um, the gratitude in the difficulty. So if you're sitting at home with nothing to do and it's not fun, you can't go out and do all the fun stuff. You can't go to the office. Well, what do you have? You got your family. <laughs> Maybe spending more time as a family is something that you've put on the back burner. Maybe you're a workaholic and now's the time to try to try to break that those habits. Maybe you've been wanting to start something. You, you know, you had some content you want to do for a YouTube account. You want to start a blog. You want to start a podcast. Maybe a business concept. Like now's the time to do it. So you have to find the gratitude in that. Like now you have the time. And, uh, you know, if you decide to do something like that, just think about like, is this something that's going to help others and is not all about you? And if it's about helping others, like, I think you'll, <laughs> I think it'll be good. Um, probably be successful. Um, you know, take a time, take time to go a little bit deeper. Like where are you at in life? Take an inventory of your life. What are the things you're going to change? What are the things you're going to fix? Um, cause at the end of the day, the way I think about it, like every single one of us could get the virus today and be dead in a week. But the reality is we need to be living that way anyway. And I know I've talked about this in past ep episodes, but, um, you know, focusing on spending a little bit of time every day, focusing on death and your funeral is actually a very, um, very motivating thing to do. Um, so think through those things. Like, are you ready for death? Are you prepared to meet your maker? Are you living a good life? Are you living a life focused on others? Um, cause those are the things that really matter. And, uh, just to kind of end with a final thought, it's, it's not about what happens in your life. It's about the meaning that we attach to the things that happen. So I think that's a really important thing. You know, even if it's from the past, even if it's now, make sure that you find a meaning in all this coronavirus craziness that's actually going to serve you. And you're saying, oh, Nate, there's no way. This is so horrible. I've lost everything. I've lost my job. I can't leave my house. You know, I can't... Uh, can't go to that coffee shop that I love. I can't go to the gym that I love. Like, there's nothing good in this. Like, 
I promise you, if you try to find that meaning that serves you, and you really try, you can find one. Thanks, everybody.